0: House of Commons will resume sitting on Monday, the first time since the Liberals won a minority government in the last election. In between, one of the largest cabinets ever was introduced by the Prime Minister. But well, that's still left two months of idle MPs. What are the priorities for this federal government? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. There's been a lot of road between the last election and the return of Parliament. The Liberals and NDP appear to be planning on working together on some shared goals, although Leader Jagmeet Singh says not every vote will be a fait complete. The return to Parliament comes with candidate in the fourth wave of the, wave of the pandemic, the country's largest trading partner talking protectionism, and the devastating flooding that is swamp british columbia our unpublished.vote vote question asks which priority of the government do you want addressed first vaccinations paid sick leave ten dollar a day child care ban on conversion therapy indigenous reconciliation military reform other or none of the above you can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote vote and have your voice heard Coming up later on the show, political commentator Tom Parkin will join us with his thoughts on the plans for the federal government. But first, I am pleased to be joined by Lori Turnbull, director of the School of Public Administration and associate professor of political science at Dalhousie University. And and Lori, why so long to select a cabinet and, and return to House?
1: Yeah, so I think it's usually we see this happen pretty quickly, right? Like usually by the time... An election is done. We have a two week period for the turnaround of a new cabinet, whether it's a returning government or a new government. This time, uh, the Trudeau government really took their time, I think, probably because there was no real sense of change after the election. There was really like not not every result was the same, but really like this, the status of the government didn't change. It was still a minority. The numbers were kind of still the same. And I think Trudeau kind of knew from day one that probably a lot of his ministers would be returning. And so there wasn't the same sense of urgency to kind of make a big declaration on who was in cabinet. That said, it, it kind of it was noticed, I think, that there was he was clearly in no rush to do it, no rush to meet parliament. So, you know, why the long transition period other than he just didn't really feel any, any urgency around it?
0: You know, we uh, we talk about priorities for this next federal government. A lot of them were on the election uh, campaign trail vaccines seems to be one of the, the big ones for the for the federal government getting all federal workers to be vaccinated. Do you expect a push to continue to get uh, all MPs vaccinated? As we know, there seems to be some uh, disagreement about that in the House.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think most of them are vaccinated. And they'll show they'll, you know, that won't be an issue for them. I think where it's really becoming an issue or where it could be an issue is the Conservative Party, because they haven't been willing to say, yes, all of our our MPs are double vaccinated. And I think O'Toole's perspective, his position on mandatory vaccines has has cost him both in terms of the election campaign and also now with a lack of clarity in his in his caucus about what he expects from MPs. So he keeps this, you know, yeah, we are really encouraging, but we're not forcing. It should be your own choice which then allows a bit of a back and forth around the ideological piece around freedom to choose a vaccine and then just the, you know, get your MPs to work kind of piece. And so I think depending on what happens on Monday, that could be an issue going forward for sure.
0: I, I wonder if, you know, being cynical, but, you know, playing politics and all that, would they continue, I guess, the Liberals and the NDP, use it as a wedge with against the Conservatives? They, they seem to still be kind of
1: afraid about this? Yeah, I mean, and I think it becomes potentially a visible issue to the extent that like if there are conservative MPs that continuously don't show up and they're participating remotely or they're, you know, are we going to have a kind of much more dramatic spectacle where people um, who are not double vaccinated show up and expect to get in? And will the Board of Internal economies' decision be just taken? Or is it going to be a case where, you know, if an MP is denied entry because of, of a lack of double vaccine, are, are they going to insist that the House votes to censor the person? Like, how is that all going to be resolved? We're kind of in uncharted territory, I, I think, in something like this, because the House is, is self-regulating. But this is, a, this is a public health issue.
0: Now, how much focus and effort do you expect on the $10 a day ch- child care with, with Ontario right now is, is basically the only holdout?
1: yeah i mean alberta just signed and it was the the weirdest um press conference ever where you know like here's here's (laughs) trudeau trying to have this you know okay one more province is signed on and kenny's blaming him for everything and it's just kind of weird but i mean we can see too this is it seems to be cutting across a few issues like i think the childcare piece is key for trudeau that's something that's a big focus for him in terms of um resetting, I think, after COVID-19 and doing something that's that he's been campaigning on for a long time, the NDP will support. But I think Alberta's holding out and insisting that they want what Quebec has, right? I mean, the, the prime minister explained the Quebec plan has been existent for years and actually meets the criteria that the federal government set out for the other provinces. So there is no discrepancy between Quebec and Alberta in terms of what they're entitled to. But Kenny keeps sort of pushing this line around how Quebec gets a special deal and they shouldn't. That's going to be interesting when the MPs get in and start talking about the fact that uh, the census results suggest that three more seats should be added in Alberta and one actually taken away in Quebec. I think this back and forth and kind of pulling on the on the ties that bind the federation is going to continue be very pointed around Alberta and Quebec and Jason Kenney is not necessarily in for uh, a great time in his own party he's facing leadership review this weekend and so yeah like it's tense times for him for sure.
0: Uh, Paid sick days for for federal workers Uh, that's something that because we've heard paid sick days uh, throughout the pandemic and, and you know why the need for it but you know this is for federal workers and considering some of those are the most secure jobs you can ever have does it really yeah. matter for them? They, they look at the private sector and all everybody else who doesn't have it.
1: Well, that's it. Like, I, I think the paid sick leave for federal workers is something that Trudeau and the Liberals can do very quickly and the NDP will support. I think the harder question is, as you say, getting to much larger populations of workers that don't have this option. And so is the federal government going to gain some credibility in terms of setting an example? Are they, There there are some plans, I think, afoot to work with other sectors private sector, provincial governments to see whether something like this can be more equitably and universally applied. But the government, like the federal government can't do that on their own. Uh,
0: one other issue that that the liberals say that they want to get onto right away is the ban on con- conversion therapy. And again, because yeah. the co- conservatives are split on that one too. Yeah. You expect they're going to keep using this one as a wedge.
1: I mean, I think that they're going to try to get that through quickly because they actually did get it through the House before dissolution. And if it hadn't been for this, the election call, the Senate would, could, could have potentially still passed it. And so I think that one is, that one plus C10, I, which I assume will be a, a new version mm-hmm. of C10, I think they'll probably be keen to get those through the House as quickly as possible and get them back in line in the Senate where they were before the summer.
0: The Conservatives, if we've been talking about have been having a bit of a tumultuous time in caucus, and, and you expect, you know, the Liberals and the NDP are going to continue to use that to their advantage?
1: I think it is an advantage for them, whether they continue to use it that way or not. I mean, there's there's a lot of value in politics, as you know, to just letting the other person, the other team set their own house on fire. And so I don't think the liberals or the NDP are going to want to get their hands on it. They're just going to let that happen. And because the conservatives seem really like not only are they internally divided, but these factions are actually taking structure now in that there's a, a civil libertarian caucus that is really kind of at odds, I think, with O'Toole's leadership. There's clear mobilization in the Senate around, um, you know, I don't know how many of them want to sign Denise Batters uh, petition, if any, but the conservatives are rallying around her in the Senate and saying, yeah, she might be out of the national caucus, but she's still sitting with us. So clearly, you know, some, you know, not just some differences of opinion, but some organized differences around uh, Aaron O'Toole.
0: You know, priorities do get sidetracked by unforeseen circumstances. And I'm talking about that flooding in British Columbia is just devastating. And, do you yeah. see that stepping into in, into the priorities uh as opposed to some of the other things?
1: Absolutely like that will be I think um an urgent issue as we go forward and I think like even when the prime minister was at the summit in the US a lot of his time in his press conferences was still spent on what's going on in British Columbia. The prime minister's back to Canada now so I would I would think he'd probably uh be heading out there pretty soon and I think we'll see, you know, see what the government step in in terms of relief packages now that we're starting to get a clear sense of of how that's all going to go.
0: And uh, because we are dealing with minority government, I'll put your prognostication hat on. How long do you see this government lasting?
1: It'll last as long as Justin Trudeau wants it to last. Mm -hmm. And that could be two years. That could be four years if he wants it to be. I think um, it's really whether he can resist the temptation to try to get another majority if it looks like the numbers are lining up for him. And I mean, this time it looked like a majority was certainly possible for him and it didn't, didn't work out. And so is he going to say, okay, I'm going to strike when the iron is hot again. I'm going to, I'm going to be more careful in my calculations and go at that perfect moment. Or um, if that doesn't present itself, am I going to make do with what I've got? Knowing that the NDP is not going to trigger an early election. That's almost impossible. I mean, they're a strong minority, 160 seats is strong. They're not, it's, it's not like they're on the margins here. Right. And so right. I think that, you know, that gives a lot of moral authority to govern. It gives a lot of space to cooperate with a party like the NDP. But I think, too, we can like this prime minister, I don't fe- I don't think feels any sort of deference to the fact that he's a minority prime minister and not a majority. I don't think that that phases him at all. And so we might see a reduced role for parliament, reduced time for the government in parliament, because that context is really where that minority exists for him, right? Like when he's on television, when he's meeting with international leaders, when he's making statements about what he wants to do, when he's meeting with premiers, he's the prime minister, right? And that minority kind of fades into the background. So I, I expect to see probably some um, less airtime for parliament, for better force. worse.
0: Laurie, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you, too. Thank you. Laurie Turnbull is the director of the School of Public Administration and associate professor of political science at Dalhousie University. The federal liberals return to parliament looking much like they did before the election with a minority, and that means they'll have to get the support of the block of the NDP to get legislation passed. Tom Parkins, a political commentator, and he joins us now. And Tom, how much do the liberals and the NDP see eye to eye on issues, and which do you see being done first?
2: Well, there, there's uh, I think two parts to this. One is what people say, and then there's the trust of that, what people want to actually do. Because uh, certainly in the past we've seen, you know, liberals Trudeau come out and, and, and make make promises, but not follow through on them. So this is, becomes part of the tension, I think in terms of, you know, Democrats trying to get uh, some issues dealt with. Uh, I'd also, you know, point out Ed, that, you know, in the last parliament, uh, the last minority parliament. Uh, there are actually three routes to a majority: uh, the Liberals with the Conservatives, Liberals with the Bloc, the Liberals with the NDP. Um, and all three of those routes were used at various times. When you know uh, the Liberals wanted to pass back to work legislation uh, to preempt a strike, for example, they would team up with the Conservatives to do that. If they want to do something for Quebec, they would team up with the, with, with the BQ to do that. And if they want to do something more progressive, they would look for NDP support. for So it's a, there's three routes and we got to remember that. It's kind of an interesting positioning. Um, I think from their, in terms of their alliance with the Democrats, uh, I think it's pretty clear what they will be looking for. There were some commitments made in the election campaign by Trudeau about sick leave. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, um, we're almost at the end of this pandemic, but really, we hope everybody should have sick leave, whether there's a pandemic or not, to me that, you know, and I think to most Canadians, it's its bad that we don't. So I think we're, you know, going to see that finally. Um, child care, the New Democrats will be supportive, but this is in an administrative stage at this point. So um, this is really a more reliant on uh, provincial new democrats in opposition mostly although in bc in government but mostly in, in, in you know in ontario uh, manitoba saskatchewan and in alberta they're the official opposition so they will be in a way in a bit of an alliance with the, with the federal liberals to try and pressure provincial conservatives to make the moves on on child care that's mostly been succeeding ontario notwithstanding so far um uh, there are uh, a host of issues around uh, reconciliation, which I think um, Jagmeet Singh is going to keep the pressure up on. He was already one of his things that he's done. He already took a trip up to a Calicut this week to uh, connect with his new MP up there and meet with the local mayor, etc. So there's going to be, I think, no cessation of pressure from uh, from Singh on on that point. No, not not giving a lot of quadrant on that. I think the the more interesting things will be um, PharmaCare. Uh, It was at one point a a priority. It was even in the platform of the Liberal Party. It was a promise. It disappeared. Um, Can that be brought back? Um, Is there enough room for something big like that? Is there enough room for something big like fixing the EI system, uh, which, you know, the pandemic really showed was not uh, sufficient and, and hasn't been fixed yet. So there's some big pieces out there as well that there doesn't seem to be um, an agreement with uh, new Democrats about. So we'll we'll
0: see if they have to be. I'm sure they'll keep pressuring. I, I wonder, uh, NDP support, it can't be seen to be a given here, can it?
2: No, they have to get things for it. You know, uh, this is this is the delicate relationship, because on one hand, I think most of us who consider themselves leftist center social democrat types um they they want the parliament to work they want uh, tangible wins for people and we you know we want a dental plan we want a pharmacare plan these are things that we should have done a long time ago and if you know if not now when uh, so you want tangible wins you just don't want to be um you know uh, obstructionist for the sake of that um but but i think you know certainly from my perspective i think for most people who are social democrats? They see this government as being um, slow at best to respond to some of the quite popular ideas, frankly, that like pharmacare, like fixing EI, like uh, long term care, and taking it public. Um, very slow to respond to these kind of initiatives, uh, I assume, because lobbyists and stakeholders uh, don't like those positions and the liberals are listening to them. So uh, it's hard to, at one time, um, hold the hand, uh, but at the same time trying to shake them to say, you know, um, we we need more from you. Uh, so that's going to be a delicate walk, because at what point uh, is it just too frustrating for Mr. Singh to deal with Mr. Trudeau's slowness? And it, it, it tips into, well, you know, we can't support you anymore. That's a real, um, that's a real step. and uh, and, and if you uh, you want to push hard, but if you push so hard that you turn it into an issue of confidence, uh, you've turned circumstances potentially against yourself. Yeah, very, And then, very and then you
0: get blamed for an uncalled or unwanted election, right? Unless you
2: can have people on your side.
0: Yeah. You know, exactly. if you have
2: people on your side, then that's great. But if you're seen as being intransigent and it's just opposition for the sake of opposition, not so great. Very bad. Influence.
0: Will will we see a return or a full return uh, to the House if the Conservatives aren't all vaccinated?
2: Well, you know, I I truthfully don't know. There's an irony here, of course. Um, A year or more ago, the Conservatives were fighting the idea of having virtual, uh, being able to connect in the House of Commons virtually and wanted to have everybody appear in person in the House of Commons. Now they're very much seem to be wanting to go the other way. From my own perspective, you know, I think, I think this pandemic is a way proven that at least at least a fair bit of the time, um, MPs can successfully engage uh, remotely. So why not? Um, this is a huge country. I can't even imagine being an MP from Labrador or being mm-hmm. an MP Northern BC. I mean, it's not. You know, if you come from Toronto or Montreal, it's easy easy. You know, you get on a plane, you're there in an hour, you drive from Montreal. Um, it's a, it's really a punishing job for those people. So why, um, right. why not? Why not let them be in their constituency, serving in their constituency, visiting people in their constituency, listening in their constituency as much as possible, rather than being on air candidate.
0: Well, you wonder if they have credibility, you know, when we talk about these vaccines, they argue against vaccines for their members yet they encourage everybody else to get it. It's, I, I just, it, it makes no sense.
2: Yeah, the, I mean the Conservatives are a real situation here. Um, you know, my my thing with uh, what I say about you know Mr. O'Toole is it's, it's not really the band; it's the fans that are the problem. I mean, it's not Mr. O'Toole per se um, on on this issue who's a problem. It's 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 the others that won't let him uh, set what the vast majority, you know, the policy of the vast majority of Canadians. Think is reasonable um he's being held hostage by his own party and it's a very difficult position for him
0: uh, exactly yeah they are in a pickle do you expect the liberals and the NDP to push their uh, push uh you know their shared agenda quickly with with obviously them in disarray
2: uh no I don't oh, I, I think okay. I think them being in disarray to some extent uh, allows the liberals to not have to uh, work very much, very cooperatively because they have this disarray going on. So they can they can play the 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 conservatives a bit and maybe get them get their support on issues from time to time, just to you know because uh, you know I think the conservatives have earned themselves a bad reputation of being intransigent and opposing just for opposing sake. Um, I don't know, if Mr. O'Toole can break them of this habit of uh, uh, making them seem like they're a, a party that has a positive agenda and where it intersects with others, work with them. That makes sense. I think to most people, but yeah. he's going to have a tough, I think he's got a very tough time right now. Um, I feel sort of bad for him um, because he, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's being attacked by people who are um, not not really interested in Making the Conservative Party a, a, a governing vehicle, they just want to be a sort of strange uh, outsider group.
0: And uh, of course, the biggest story in this country over the last week is, has been the flooding in, in British Columbia. Yeah. And, and how do you see this ending? Uh, uh, you know, upending priorities.
2: Well, I, I think it puts a huge accent on climate change. I mean, when you see the devastation, the economic devastation, let alone the human loss loss of life. Um, you know the argument starts to to be to be very clear that is it going to cost something to transition off fossil fuel? Yeah, it is. Is it going to cost something if we don't? Well, I think we're already seeing it. Mm. So, I think for people in British Columbia, you've gone through fires and now floods. Um, you know, <laughs> wait till we get the locusts on the prairies, eating people's crops this is this is where we're heading if we don't take a little bit more, uh, you know, start hitting goals, you know, hitting targets, not just writing targets.
0: Tom, I want to thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, Ed. Tom Parkin is a political commentator. Our unpublished Ivo question asks, which priority of the government do you want addressed first? Vaccinations, paid sick leave, $10 a day childcare, ban on conversion therapy, Indigenous reconciliation or military reform, other or none of the above. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. I want to thank our guests on The Unpublished Cafe, Dr. Lori Turnbull of Dalhousie University and political commentator Tom Parkin. And I want to thank you for watching The Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.